Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Branches. I'm Amanda Clark. I'm the pastor here at Branches. It is a total joy to see each and every one of you here this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. Um, if this is your first Sunday with us, I want to let you know, I'm going to talk about the offering in just a moment, but that part's not for you. That's uh, for people who regularly attend here and call Branches their church home. But if it is your first Sunday, I would love if you could fill out the little orange connect card that was given to you when you came in the door today. You can also find one in your seat back pocket along with a pen. If you want to fill that out anytime during the service and then give it back to the person who gave it to you or drop it in the uh, little drop box at the door on your way out of this room, we would be so grateful. And we'll just send you a little email to say thank you for being with us today. Uh, For those of you who do regularly attend and came prepared to give, you can also give a cash or check offering in the box on your way out the door of this room, or you can give in any of the digital options on the screen. We are a church that does not pass a plate, and so we just take a moment every week to say, uh, this is the time for you to do that if you came prepared to do it. And also, thank you. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for the way that you're being faithful to Jesus through your offering. Um, If you have been coming to Branches a while and you consider it your church home, but it hasn't been a point for you to um, make it a part of your regular budgeted expenses, we would love for you to prayerfully consider adding that in and partnering with us in the work that God is doing in Warsaw through Branches. Couple things coming up. We're sitting in a semi historic event. This is the last um, two service service of branches for a while. And so next Sunday, we change our service times, one service at 10 a.m. So we're really excited about that move. Um, What we're sensing as a core team is a desire to um, come together as one and invest in community building and in being together and knowing each other. So we're really looking forward to that change. And just to make it a little bit more special, we're asking you to come early next week uh, and we'll have have some donuts, Wabash donuts, and some fruit, and coffee, and we can just hang out, and you can get to know some of the people um, who come to this service or come to first service that you've never seen before. It'll be really fun. So come early next week before our 10 a.m. One service. Uh, Secondly, coming up on February 26th is an event called Racial Reconciliation Through a Faith Perspective, and that's with gospel singer Janice Gaines. Um, I'm really looking forward to this event. We are partnering with another church in town, Valley Springs Fellowship, which is kind of in the Ruby Tuesday area, and um, we are partnering with them to bring this speaker to town. And and, And Janice's heart is like, Boy, in the last couple of years, we've had more conversations than ever about race. But some of those conversations have been politicized, divisive, really difficult to where people either don't want to talk about it at all, like, please, let's never bring that up again, or um, we, we don't know how to talk about it. And so her, her vision is to talk about it, have the hard conversation, but from a really biblical perspective, what does the gospel of Jesus Christ say about this? So if you haven't already put this date in your calendar, I'm asking you to take your phone out right now and put it in. That's how important it is to the life and culture of our church here. So please make it a point to attend that event, and we're really looking forward to it. Today is a communion Sunday, and it's a really special Sunday because uh, we are going to be receiving the word and communion from our guest speaker, Ben Snyder. So uh, if you haven't heard this story before, I'm in seminary right now, and a couple years ago, 
Ben was my professor for the Gospels and Acts. I really enjoyed his class. And then sometime later, his family unexpectedly moved to Warsaw. And I was like, whoa, Ben, that's awesome. And uh, that's story one. Story two is that in 2019, I visited a friend in Austin, Texas, and I went with her to her Anglican church. And it was the first time I'd ever been to a liturgical church. And I basically like ugly cried through the whole thing. (laughs) I'm not saying that's going to be your experience, but it was so touching to me uh, because what we did a lot of was saying the truths that we believe out loud with our mouths together. And it sort of like reaffirmed my faith to me in a way that doesn't happen through uh, worship or preaching. It was just a different perspective, but it really touched my heart, and I held that and treasured it. And so when I learned that Ben was an Anglican priest, I said, Ben, would you come and uh, take our church through a communion service together? So we're going to get to experience that today. I'm praying and hoping that will be a huge blessing to you, as it was to all of us during first service. So would you please give a warm welcome to Ben? Thank you very much, Amanda, for that warm uh, welcome, and thank you, Branches, for the opportunity to be with you. Uh, it's, it's a blessing for me, and to bring this series on the Lord's Prayer to a close, and to lead you in the communion liturgy later. And as Amanda said, you may find yourself in tears waiting for that to be over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I do hope that you find it to be uh, a rich and wonderful Uh, prayer and worship experience. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. And would you um, pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful for the reminder that you are working all the time, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. But in this time, we come here gathered as your body to pay attention to that work. And Lord, so we give space to you now Thank you for meeting us here before we even arrived. Thank you for working in our our lives in ways that we don't see right now. Thank you, Lord, that you know our deepest need. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to meet us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had a fairly volatile relationship with prayer throughout my life. Um, There have definitely been times where it has been a rich and regular practice in my life. There's times it's been a formality, just something you have to do. Uh, It's been my cosmic fire alarm. Help God, I'm in trouble now. There's been times that I've just had no no interest at all in, in doing it. There's other times that I couldn't do it, uh, given the circumstances. I just, there's just nothing, I I I didn't want to have anything to do with prayer. It's something I've seen all my life, not necessarily something I've understood uh, very well. So I can appreciate with Jesus' disciples asking him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? I wonder if any of you have been there before, have experienced this with prayer, Anybody out there uh, have this struggle? <laughs> Good. Hope I'm not the only one. Um, but you know, what is prayer? I mean, is it like this religious duty that we have to do? Is it, I know, it's a formula that gets us to pin God in our corner and he has to do what we, we want him to do. That's a good one. Uh, is it a supernatural begging session? Um, so one of our speakers mentioned God is our cosmic bellhop. 
Is it perhaps a divine uh, DoorDash or Grubhub order? Lord, uh, get my app out. Uh, Lord, I need this right now, please. And do I have the tip? I forget. Uh, does it do anything? Does prayer do anything? Does it work? Um, how many times have you and I prayed and we didn't get an answer? Uh, and of course, the spiritual answer is, well, that's not the answer God wanted for you. And there is some truth to that. So uh, forgive me for making fun of that. But uh, how many times have we prayed and, you know, what's going on, God? And if God knows what we need before we ask, why, why, are, why are we asking? Doesn't he already know that? Have you ever been here, have you ever been here before uh, in this struggle with prayer? I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, just to set the expectations, I'm not necessarily going to answer to your satisfaction or even my own all of these uh, issues related to prayer, but I do want to touch on a couple of points from the last line of the Lord's Prayer as it relates to the entire prayer. And that, that last line is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I might need another option. <laughs> All right. Do I need to turn it on? We're good? All right, just got to get it up there. (laughs) All right, so uh, the first thing is that we end this prayer where we began, and that is focused on God. In some way or another, uh, every one of our speakers has addressed some significant assumption in each line of the Lord's Prayer. And I wonder if you've noticed these. And for those of you who may not have been here for the whole series, I I got good news. I'm going to pepper in some of what we've heard already. Dylan began by observing that we address God as Father. Of course, this suggests that God exists, that he has some relationship with us as humans, uh, that that relationship is as Father, as Creator. And we have the immense privilege to address him. That's good news. And as he he encouraged us to realize, God is parenting redemption in our lives. So we think of salvation as, oh, that's that thing that happened to me back then when I prayed that prayer, or that's that thing that's going to happen to us at the end. Yay! But friends, good news. God wants you to experience salvation now in your lives. He's in the process of parenting redemption in your life and in my life right now. So salvation is not just past and it's not just future. God wants you to experience that in your moment, in, in, in ordinary moments of your life right now. And prayer, as we're learning, has something to do with that, that work that God is doing in your life. The good news branches is that God invites you and I to participate. And as we just sang, God, you're at work. He invites us to participate in that work that he's doing in our lives through prayer, through the Lord's Prayer and through other ways that we pray. Well, Justin used that fancy word, penumbra. I'm trying to be hoity-toity here. To highlight the tension that we feel between our redeemed status And the fact that we don't always experience the kingdom of God and all its power in our lives in every moment. There's a tension there. 
And the assumption here is that God's kingdom is possible in your life and in my life. In our ordinary and messy lives, that is possible. God's kingdom can show up there. And it also, again, suggests that through prayer, we have some role in whether or not the kingdom of God might manifest in our ordinary and messy lives. So imagine any given family feud, and my family was here during the first service. I have four boys. Uh, We have feuds regularly, unfortunately. (laughs) So imagine any family feud, a scuffle with a coworker, uh, disagreement with a close friend, maybe your spouse, a neighbor, or a sibling. What would happen in that circumstance that popped into your mind if one of those people said, God, would your kingdom come right now in this place? And this disagreement. What if two people did that? Or three? Or four? Well, Amanda then challenged us to see that whether rich or poor, we are invited to trust God by asking for our daily bread. And of course, the assumption here is that you and I are not as in control of our livelihood as we think we are. And Rich Mullins puts it a different way. We are not as strong as we think we are. Or it could be that the, the livelihood we're pursuing or the manner in which we're pursuing that livelihood is out of step with the kingdom. It assumes that we need daily bread. I mean, we, we love Sam's Club and Costco. We want to stock up. And it's counter to the fact that we need daily bread. We live in dependence upon God and that he has the ability to provide for our needs. And how often do you struggle with yourself and others for that provision? Our entire financial system and economy are designed on that struggle. (laughs) Well, David totally distracted us. I, I mean, instructed us through his cheeseburger metaphor. I mean, okay, so how is that not going to connect with anyone? (laughs) And I apologize. I don't have a cheeseburger to share with you, but he was really showing us that we need every part of this, every part of this prayer, every line. And so, you know, we start off with our Father who art in heaven, and now we're back as, at this last line of the prayer. We're back focused on God. So we've got the bun on the bottom and the bun on the top. So he was right about that metaphor. But he reminded us that whether figuratively or literally, we are all punched in the face, and we punch other people in the face on a regular basis. And the assumption is that we can live in a way that promotes evil and brokenness in the world, just as we're affected by it. But it also recognizes that we can also live in a way that counters evil and in a way that gives us new life. Forgiveness, friends, breaks chains. It sets us free It calls evil for what it is, even as it offers us another way of being and another way forward. And that's good news. And finally, this past Sunday, Amanda reminded us that because Jesus went where we never could go, God is with us in the midst of temptation and trials and testing. We are not hopeless to be overcome by evil or the evil one. 
Somebody needs to hear that today. We are unable to deliver ourselves. That's the assumption there, and that God is able, and he desires to deliver us. Again, prayer has something to do with that deliverance. And the good news, again, branches is that God invites you and me to participate in the work he's doing and to bring his kingdom now in our lives. Okay, so returning to the last line of the prayer, why are we praying all of these things? Because his is the only kingdom worth living and dying for. Only he has the power to transform us. And there is no other glory worth expending our lives for. Okay, so this is really important. If you've wandered off, I'm going to call you back here, get your attention. This is important. Jesus is not just giving the disciples and us a formula. He's inviting us and asking us to do hard work. We cooperate with the Father. We don't resist him. If you've ever been a child or have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know what resisting your parents looks like. But we cooperate with the work that God wants to do in prayer. Jesus is teaching us to pray, and he says, we need to exercise our creativity and attentiveness in our lives that we might invite his kingdom in all those ordinary places, the messy places of life. We're asked to examine the ways in which we trust in our own strength and possessions instead of his. We are to name evil specifically for what it is, even as we forgive those who wrong us and as we seek forgiveness from those that we wrong. Places of temptation and testing include obvious things, but they also can include less obvious things like just basic communication issues with our spouse or with a roommate or a classmate, a coworker or a sibling, and as well as systemic forms of evil in society and, yes, even in the church. In all the ordinary places of life, this prayer invites us to explore how God's kingdom can come instead of our own. How his power can do amazing things in us and where his glory needs to outshine our own. Friends, this is hard work. (laughs) It's really hard to do this, to pray in this way. Okay, so I hope you're starting to see a few of the answers to the original questions I posed starting to materialize Prayer is not a formula. It's a posture. It's a way of coming to God. It's a way of uh, interfacing with one another. That's what prayer is. It's not a secret code. If I said that just right, this like magic spell comes out. Uh, that's not what it is. It's not a formula. It's a posture. It's not a secret code. But it's a means by which we align ourselves, our thinking, as we think about our lives and what's going on, as a way to align ourselves with God's kingdom. Prayer doesn't work. It is work. It's a primary way that God invites us to experience the kingdom of God 
in all the ordinary places, around the dinner table, in the break room, the doctor's office, in, in class when you're sitting, uh, listening to a boring lecture, doing homework, in all the myriad of places that we would never expect the kingdom of God to appear, that's where Jesus wants you to pray. So I challenge you this week, and I'm guilty of this, to not just pray the prayer, the Lord's Prayer generally. Like, you know, just run through it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, that, that, that's a drawback to liturgy in the sense that it's just so common and so familiar. It, you just kind of do it, not thinking. And you can do this in any, any frame of mind. What really matters is, is your heart in it. This is all throughout the Old Testament, so this isn't anything new. Uh, God cares about where your heart is. But this is hard work for us to do. So I challenge you to pray this prayer specifically. Name names. Name names of people in your life. Name those places that you desire to see God's kingdom. And there may even be some places that you've just completely given up hope. Put that on the table and see what God will do with that. All right, so this is the first thing I wanted to touch on, and that's the assumptions in the Lord's Prayer. And our, all of our speakers helped us to see that well. And, and the work, that's what I want to put my finger on, the work that those assumptions ask us to do. And that brings me to my second and more briefer point, and that is to call prayer work is to recognize that it is a form of liturgy. And that word means work. And I could go into the background, the ancient usage. I'm not going to do that. But it's, it's a word that means work. And if you read this passage in most any translation outside of the King James and New King James, you're not going to find this last line for yours is a kingdom and so on. And that's because our earliest and best manuscripts for the New Testament don't include it. Notably, however, it does occur in an early ancient document called the teaching of the Lord by the 12 apostles to the nations or Gentiles, or simply the Didache. And this is in this document, that last line occurs as part of the Lord's Prayer. And it's early evidence that that's the form of the Lord's Prayer that was prayed by the earliest believers. And it's also an indicator of the early liturgical development. So, Having been raised evangelical in Bremen, and my parents are still there, and I'm, we're glad to be back in the area, I was really raised to be really suspicious of liturgy and praying other people's prayers. So uh, obviously I've given that up. <laughs> and uh, I do just want to say a few things. I, I do use a prayer book here and pray other people's prayers. And I just want to say a few things about that. Um, so first, in uh praying the Lord's Prayer or any other prayer you might pray from Scripture, you are praying someone else's prayer. Uh, Oh, but that's the Bible, Ben. Come on. Okay, all right. But as your pastor, Amanda, or maybe your worship leader, or maybe even you yourself, have you ever led prayer and invited other people to pray along with you? Well, you're praying another person's prayer. Or have you ever been in a worship set and the worship leader says, let this song rise as a prayer to the Lord? Well, you're praying another person's prayer. So if you can come into this place and you can have a wonderful worship team lead you in uh, authentic worship, and by the way, they're singing other people's songs. I just want to put that out there. Uh, 
If you can do that, you can be led into authentic prayer by the prayer book. And another thing I want to say is that it's not just other people's prayers. These are the prayers of the church. These are the prayers of the congregation of Jesus. This is the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews refers to. So liturgy and praying the prayer book is not just about praying other people's prayers. These belong to the church. And they are infused with Scripture. And thank you, Justin, this morning you brought to mind, they're also infused by the Holy Spirit. So they're as valuable and as important as any spontaneous modern prayer that we're going to pray. And in my own experience, the, the liturgy and the prayers of the prayer book offer a depth of wisdom and a scope of maturity that escapes the best prayers that I can come up with on the spot. And the beauty, the real beauty, is that we don't have to choose between are we going to pray a formal prayer or are we going to be spontaneous? The good news is we can do both. <laughs> yes, we can do it. So uh, the prayer book, um, in a way, helps me do the hard work that I need to do daily. And I pray with the church, and the church prays with me. And the church prays with us as we pray the liturgy together. And it leaves room for us to be spontaneous. And it's a beautiful picture to think that we're praying together with the, the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. I think it's a beautiful picture. So one of the things I'm most grateful for of uh, following Jesus in the Anglican way is, is this, this prayer book. It's not because it makes me super spiritual. No. <laughs> I'm a train wreck without Jesus, people. <laughs> and this offers me a helpful way to do the work in prayer that I need to do to have my mind renewed daily. This is a, a way to do that. It's not the way, and, and by the way, I'm not sneakily trying to get you to become Anglican. You do not have to be Anglican to pray the prayers of the church because they belong to all of us. And, you know, some of you who know me uh, know that I'm a train wreck without Jesus are probably like, yeah, amen. Uh, my family's not here to back that up, so... Well, the good news again, Branches, is that God invites us. He offers us to participate. I, that's awesome. God's at work, and he invites you and I to participate in the work that he's doing. Yes, he still does it when we don't see it, and yes, he still does it when we, we can't feel it. And praise God for that. But we're invited through prayer to participate. And if you as a church or individually are interested to learn more about prayer book practice, I've offered to Amanda, uh, you know, I live here in town, I've offered to come and pray with you. And, and you know, you can try it, see what it's like. Uh, it's not scary. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Um, it's, it, and again, it just offers a depth. If that's something you'd be interested in, please let me know or Amanda know, and we'll set something up. Um, yeah. And I would love to be able to do that. So as we transition to communion, uh, the Lord's Prayer actually has a special place in the liturgy. Uh, and very early on, the Lord's Prayer was part of a communion celebration because of the request for daily bread 
Of course, some scholars uh, think that means a pr- prayer for the bread for tomorrow with the Messianic banquet idea. Uh, Amanda brought attention to that. Uh, but w- however you understand that, the Lord's Prayer has been part of this liturgy. So it's a nice segue as we end this to uh, move into a time of communion together. So I'm assuming that liturgy is probably new for some of you, and I just want to say a couple things about that. Uh, This is going to be a way of praying, and it's going to be interactive. So you're going to stand, and you're going to sit, and you're going to even respond as part of this liturgy. And on the slides, it's going to it'll say celebrant. That's me. Uh, I'm celebrating with you, and then you're the people, and it'll be like bold red. And whenever you see that, I'm going to have you uh, speak and share as we do that together. Um, really important, don't get hung up on, did we do this right? That, again, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is to worship Jesus. Put your heart and your mind and your focus on, on the gospel truth that you're saying together with me as we pray. And as Anglicans, we uh, celebrate communion weekly. It's our altar call, if you will. Uh, The reading and proclamation of the word is like one major anchor in the service. And then uh, the Lord's table and the invitation there is like a second anchor in our service. So if you're a a baptized believer, you're welcome to come to the table. And again, this may all feel a little awkward and new, and that's okay. Just enjoy it Um, and keep your focus on the Lord. So before I begin, I just want to give a real high overview of what we're going to do. Uh, first, in the movement of, of communion liturgy, we're going to lift our hearts. And this is us taking an intentional focus to join the company of heaven as we celebrate what our Lord has done for us. And we're going to worship God with holy, holy, holy. We're going to welcome our Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then we're going to have the, the, what some people call the great unforgetting, where we remember what God has done. And the unforgetting has to do with the Greek word behind it. And we can talk about that later. But we're, we're just saying, I'm, I'm never more loved than I am right now. And that's enough. We already know that. But we, but we don't. So that's why we sing that again. And we remind ourselves. So as we go through this liturgy, we're, we're celebrating again the, what, the victory over the grave and death and sin that Jesus has wrought for us. We're going to set apart the bread and the wine or the grape juice. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to break bread and eat together. And then I'm going to bless you and send you out. So as we uh, head to the table, I ask you to prepare your hearts and enjoy this time together. Should I try the wireless again? No. Okay. Um, I think I'll hold it just just to make sure I can get it up here. <laughs> the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who took on our mortal flesh to reveal his glory 
that he might bring us out of darkness into his own glorious light. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. And I invite you to stand if you're able. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death, we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. And on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, and this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Messiah and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom, where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now we pray as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. praying together. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. And I'll invite you to have a seat, and uh, Amanda's going to give some words of instruction. So we're transitioning into the ending of our service, so we'll take communion together in just a minute. Uh, but I want to also introduce to you the, the things that we do every week at the end of our service. So every week we invite you to receive prayer, and we have a prayer team that is trained to pray for you about any need you have, and they are available in the back of the room in front of the two lamps. And um, another thing that we do every Sunday is that we take time as a church family to gather at 8.30 in an open prayer meeting that anyone's welcome to, to pray. And we are a people who believe that God still speaks today to us by the Holy Spirit. And so we just take a moment and say, um, like, Father, do you have anything that you want to speak to us today that is a, is a prophetic word specifically for someone here? And then we listen, and if we feel like we've been given a, a message by the Holy Spirit, we collect it and we put it on the screen for you to read. So please read through those. And if as you're reading, you feel like, yeah, that feels like relevant to me in my life right now. We would love to pray for you. And again, you can go to the prayer team in the back and and they'll join you in prayer over that specific thing. So one of them uh, was just a person who is currently feeling um, brokenhearted. And the message to you is just like, today God wants you to know that God is the healer of your broken heart. And and we would love to pray for that mending for you. Uh, So here's what's going to happen next. (laughs) I'm going to stand in this corner and I'd like you to, um, Justin will begin singing our last song of worship. I'd like you to just make a line and come forward down this middle aisle, and you'll hold your hands cupped in front of you, and I'll drop the elements into your hand. And then you'll exit around this side as you go back to your seat, and and that side as you go back to your seat. So um, we'll sing this last song. You can receive prayer anytime during that. And then uh, we'll finish the song, and Ben will uh, bless us out. And that will close our service. So let's begin now. Taking communion, please prepare your heart. Thank you. 